This is the Value Investor Podcast with Tracy Reinick. All things value, all the time. Welcome back, value investors. With stocks still cheap, it's time to look at some more of our gurus. Remember, the Zach's Research Wizard has this kind of cool guru stock screen on it. And the Research Wizard is our more advanced product. So it's uh, meant for like professional investors. And it has some of these cool predetermined screens on it, including these guru screens, of which, of course, a lot of the gurus are value investors. Now, we used it recently to find Ben Graham stocks. You can also find Warren Buffett stocks using it, of course. But uh, there's a couple other interesting ones on there uh, from people you might not be as familiar with. So I decided to look at maybe finding some value with growth, which I mentioned on a prior podcast. What about cheap growth stocks? So I ran a screen set to find the growth stocks out of these guru screens, and I used one that follows the strategy of Jim O'Shaughnessy. So Jim is the founder of O'Shaughnessy Asset Management. I don't know if you've heard of him before, but he wrote a best-selling investment book in the mid-1990s when everything was booming back then called What Works on Wall Street. And you can still get this book on Amazon, and they've updated it throughout the years because a lot has changed since the mid-1990s, right? So this kind of reminds me of... uh, The Intelligent Investor, except Ben Graham, is no longer with us. And the last update on that one was over 15 years ago now. So they really do need to update that one. But this one, um, Jim is still around. He's only 61 years old. So he does keep updating the book with new data because this uh, book describes and his strategy looks only really at the data. It's a quantitative model, an actual strategy. So the book actually looks back at history of the stock market going back to the Great Depression, and it looks like at a whole combination of data. So, you know, what happens if you have a low PE stock with a high dividend yield or the flip side, a low dividend yield with a high PE. What happens if you look at price to sales with a dividend yield? He ran all these different combinations to find out what was the best strategy during all these decades of stock market returns. And one of the key themes with uh, the O'Shaughnessy strategy is that you have to ignore your gut or your intuition. So many of us investors, myself included, like to use our intuition, right? Um, We like to think we know something about some of these companies and maybe before the stock market might know about it, right? At least that's what we like to think. But he would argue that um, we aren't really successful doing it that way and that this strategy just goes with the probabilities basically based on prior history. What has worked in the past will likely work in the future, and that's what you can go uh, use and screen with. So I kind of related to this strategy because the Zach's rank is also a strategy, and I know there's some investors um, out there 
who like these strategy type, uh, you know, investment uh, strategies, basically. <laughs> you like having one because you just plug it in and run it and go with that. So it does take out some of the emotion out of investing, or at least it's designed to. And he talks about how, uh, you know, there are biases in investing, as like I just mentioned, we all have. One of those is, for example, the recency bias. So if you read something positive about a company in, say, Kiplinger's magazine, or maybe in Barron's, when their new issue comes out, it used to be um, called the Barron's Bounce, right? The issue comes out over the weekend, everybody reads it and it has like a, you know, a cover story on, you know, home builders to boom. And it shows like the bull running up a hill or something. <laughs> Always has those good covers on Barron's and you read the article. It's always really well written and it sounds amazing. Why aren't I invested in these stocks? And then everybody rushes out and buys them on Monday morning, the Barron's bounce. Um, I like to think maybe some of you are getting a value investor bounce on Thursdays when this uh, podcast comes out, you're listening to it and then you're like, yeah, I, I can't believe I didn't think about those stocks she talked about. And then you go and look at them. Um, I don't know. I haven't actually checked to see if there was such a thing as the bounce, but that is what he's talking about with recency bias. It can work the other way too, that if something negative comes out, everybody goes and sells because they're hearing negative things about a company. And so you get that sell off at the same time when the opposite thing is happening. Uh, but he, he likes to look back, as I said, at a lot of the history. And he also has mentioned many times that U.S. stock returns have been positive far more than negative over the last 100 years. So the odds are actually with you as long as you're in longer than the shorter time period. So probabilities, that's his name of the game in that strategy. And the probabilities are good with you as long as you're in it a little longer than say three months or that kind of thing, um, just looking at the past 100 years. So his strategy doesn't just look at PEs, it looks at multiple factors. It takes things like the quality, uh, financial strength, um, things like that, that you might otherwise not really try to screen for. And he has used price to sales ratio as a big factor in the past, but in recent interviews in the last four to five years, he's talked about how they have looked at other fundamentals like EBITDA to enterprise value as maybe a little bit better indicator than price to sales ratios. Because with this strategy, as more data comes in over the decades, since he first talked about it in 1996, he's getting uh, you know new data points. And so he's adjusting the strategy based on what's happening in the market conditions, basically. But I went to go run the screen um, because this it's supposed to take the emotion out of it. <laughs> and that I say that because it's supposed to, but whether or not it does is up to you right? Uh, because you have to be prepared to do the same if you're running these kinds of strategies. So 
I often get asked, you know, oh, the Zacks rank. Well, I bought the Zacks rank number one stock and it went down big, so it didn't work for me. But remember, there are over 200 Zacks rank number one stocks at any given day. And the strategy um, does incorporate all of the Zacks rank stocks, all, this, all of the number ones. And no strategy is ever going to be 100% at all times, right? If it was, if I was getting a winner 100% of the time, well, I would probably be out on that beach uh, with my drink right now, right? All of us would. And so you have to, you know, follow the strategy if you're using a strategy as an investor and you have to stay in the game and in the case of these uh, O'Shaughnessy type strategies, you have to allow it to work. So many people try strategy investing, but they just can't do it because they do want to be an emotional investor or want to look at fundamentals. Um, I, I know I like to look at the fundamentals. I like to listen to the conference calls and think that I know something, but some of you are also strategy type investors and love just having that strategy you can run like the Zach's rank. It's pretty easy to understand once you start getting into it, why the rank has been successful. And um, I think the same is true of the O'Shaughnessy strategy because he's been running this for a long time too and is still considered to be a guru. So there is that aspect of it. So. On the Zach's Research Wizard screen, like the Ben Graham screen, I'm not going to say everything that's in it because it is kind of complicated, but it does use the price to sales ratio. So we have not adjusted this to the EBITDA uh, to enterprise value that, uh, fundamentals that he's now switching out with the price to sales ratios, but that's okay. It's just he's a little bit older strategy, but I'm going to try to get the new one like updated on there so that we can run that one too. But this one um, also uses a market cap over 150 million. So we're not going to get the super small micro cap stocks, which is fine by me. I don't think any of us are really interested in those per se. Um, and his strategy is also designed to return a large number of stocks. So he's talked in the past that he may have 65 stocks in his strategy. He will go buy 65 stocks, but he doesn't intend all 65 stocks to be a success. But you don't need all 65. You just need a small percentage of those 65 to be outperformers and you can outperform, right? So this is part of his strategy and you're supposed to buy, you know, 25 to 50 of the stocks in the strategy. Um, of course, I ran this screen and it did produce 50 stocks. I'm not going to go through all 50 stocks. And therefore, I am going to use my emotions, <laughs> my gut, my gut instincts to pick out five of the 50. But if you were really following the strategy, um, Jim himself would say you need to follow the entire strategy and all the picks that it's giving you and you would need to be in, you know, most or if not all of these 25 to 50 of the 50 stocks. But for the purposes of this podcast, I'm going to pick out five 
I tried to pick out uh, areas that were a little different from each other and some stocks that we haven't covered on the value investor because some of the valuations have been pretty high on some of these. But remember, this is screening from price to sales, so that's a big difference than price to earnings. So let's dive right in. What are these stocks in this kind of uh, cool guru strategy here? So the first one out the gate is Hawkins, ticker HWKN. And they are a specialty chemical company. They were founded in 1938. They have 49 facilities in 24 states. And one of their big segments is water treatment. So they have 33 water treatment facilities. They have three different segments. They have that water treatment, they have health and nutrition, and they have industrial. So in the industrial, that's like pharma, food, and agriculture. The industrial is their largest segment at 46% of revenue from 2021. Water treatment is now 28%, and health and nutrition is 26%. They did see record annual revenue and earnings in 2021. And in fiscal Q3, which was in February, they raised their dividend 8%. So they are uh, shareholder friendly here, but that's uh, one of the big indicators of the O'Shaughnessy um, strategy is dividends. So it is yielding, I know I wrote it down, 1.2% here, even though they just raised it 8%, because these shares are up third or 17.6% year to date. So they are um, having a good year and one year up 38%. So what about valuations on this one? It has a price to sales ratio of 1.4. The PE is 20 now. So again, if we were actually screening with other Zach's value screens I've used, this might fall out of those screens with the PE of 20, but um, it's only concerned with price to sales. But um, earnings expected to be up 22.3% here in fiscal 2022. We only have just one estimate on this company. And so that's gonna make it kind of volatile on the earnings side but expected to make $2.36 up from $1.93 last year. Now they have 36 consecutive years of paying dividends. That's a great track record. And just from looking at some of the stocks that the screen came up with, there was a lot of good kind of dividend aristocrats in here. So that's encouraging if that's interesting to you that they have a track record of paying these dividends. So this is a small cap at only 982 million, which is why we just have the one estimate and just lightly covered because it's a small cap chemical company. But this is an interesting one and we haven't talked about it in the past. So that's Hawkins, ticker is HWKN. Okay, then switching over, let me turn the page to AutoNation. I think we've talked about them in the past along with various other auto retailers. There was another auto retailer on this list, on the screen, but I went with AutoNation because there's X number one and I I like some of the things that are going on here. Ticker AN for AutoNation. They're dirt cheap right now. PE is 5.8. 
Price to sales is just 0.3. Earnings expected to be up 10.6% this year to $20.06 from 18.14 last year. Uh, they are looking at a decline in earnings in 2023, but a lot of these stocks are because the analysts have no idea what's going to happen going forward. What's happening to demand? What's going to happen when the Fed raises all these uh, you know, months with the Fed funds rates? How much is it going to slow the economy? Will we have a recession? So the analysts are being very cautious on next year. So um it's kind of going to throw off our value trap kind of scenario right now because a lot of them are showing a decline in earnings in 2023 because they just don't know. So they're just, they're just leaving it um, weaker for right now. Year to date, these shares are down 1.3%, but one year they're up 31.5%. So the auto uh, retailers have just kind of been treading water so far year to date, but that's better than the overall market has been doing. And, you know, they haven't really been selling off after this big run over the last two years. So fourth quarter earnings was a record up 137% and revenue up 14% to 6.6 billion. It was driven by used vehicle revenue rising 55%. New vehicle revenue fell 7% because there's just not enough new ve new vehicles out there because of the semiconductor shortage. And so many people buying those used cars. So used cars is still really hot. Full year earnings was also a record for 2021. They don't pay a dividend, but they are repurchasing shares. Like I said, like the dividend slash um, shareholder value is big in the strategy. And so this one has a share repurchase, which is how it got in there. And it is uh, has about 776 million remaining as of February 15th of this year, 2022. So keep that in mind, but that is AutoNation, ticker AN. If you're still out there looking for a car, which I may be this year finally, um, this is where you're going right now. And a lot of us still are looking for that car. So let's switch over to another retailer. And I haven't talked about this one maybe ever, maybe once. I don't know, but it's Costco, ticker COST. Yes, they made this screen. They operate 828 warehouses. So most are in the US and Puerto Rico, over 500 of them. But then they have international business in Canada, Mexico, Japan, United Kingdom, Korea, Taiwan, Australia, Spain. And then they have two in France and China and just one in Iceland, <laughs> just FYI. So again, if you're thinking how are they going to be impacted by either the Ukrainian war or maybe COVID shutdowns over in China. They only have two stores in China. Doesn't mean those ones will not be impacted. They likely will, but it's a small percentage of their overall business and they're not in Russia or the Ukraine. So keep that in mind. Okay, what is it? this looking like? So the PE is still really sky high. It's at 43, but price to sales is just 1.2. So that's pretty low. That's why it's making the screen. 
Earnings expected to be up 17% for fiscal 2022 to 12.96 from 11.08 last year. Year to date, these shares are down, but only 2.4%. But one year, they're up 65.7%. So pretty impressive one year, and you're not getting that much of a pullback. They are um, seeing a, they do pay out a dividend, but it's yielding just 0.6%, so not super huge. But the good thing about Costco is they're updating us every month still on what their comps look like. Um, so we're waiting for the next comps to come out shortly for March, but February comps were still very good. And if you saw their fiscal second quarter, which went through February 13th, U.S. comps were still up double digits, up 11.3%, and that's excluding the gasoline. Canada was up 12.4, and other international up 9%. Now, some of these could still, again, get hit by the COVID outbreaks that happened um, in part of February, but U.S. was the big market, and it did get hit in February. <laughs> Um, to some extent, and still the comps were up 11.3% in the U.S. So Costco still crushing it, but it's just a matter of what you want to pay to get it. You'll pay a lot on the PE side, but not so bad on the price to sales side. And so some may wait to see if there's a bigger pullback or not with this one, but many of you own it and have for years, and who can blame you? Because it is an industry leader. So that's Costco, ticker C-O-S-T. Okay, then we're switching over to kind of the lumber, lumber side. Uh, this is one we have never talked about before. It's called UFP Industries, ticker U-F-P-I. And they have been around since 1955. And on their website, it says they're a supplier of lumber to the manufactured housing industry. They're headquartered in Grand Rapids. They now serve three markets, so a little bit bigger than just manufactured housing. They're on retail, industrial, and construction. So um, they've been growing quite a bit and adding companies. So during 2021, they acquired nine companies, which contributed 24% to the unit sales growth for the year. It was a record year for e uh, earnings. Um, just for a little bit of context though, in the fourth quarter, which also was booming, they did see a 5% increase in organic sales. So that's not including these new acquired companies. So even the older legacy businesses are still contributing quite a bit. And they have only 50 million in debt and 805 million in liquidity. They I have a market cap of a couple billion here, so they're not real small. And I'm liking that um, their net debt is you know pretty low here, and they have some pretty good cash flow. So they just raised their share buyback going into 2022, and on January 28th, 2022. They raised their dividend 33% uh, because of the strong free cash flow. So it's now yielding 0.9%. So you're not quite getting 1% now because these shares um, have 
been, uh, you know, have some momentum, but year to date, they're now down 8%. So maybe this is a buying opportunity on UFP. One year, they're up 21.7. So they're not super red hot here. And the valuations kind of show that PE is 10.1, price to sales is just 0.6. So both of those are traditional classic value um, type of fundamentals. What do their earnings look like? So they're expected to be down 1% this year to just $8.50 from $8.59 last year. But that was up 115% from the year before. Again, remember they acquired nine companies, so that helped boost it too. But even still, the underlying business was still performing really well. Um, They're a little volatile because of the lumber pricing issue and they are in some of these areas like packaging that have been up and down and also volatile so they have the three segments ufp industrial ufp construction and ufp retail solutions but if you like a global company like this that's kind of on the the forefront of like I don't know what you call it, infrastructure kind of solutions, business solutions, but, you know, is also in that construction side, especially in manufactured housing, then this one maybe you should be taking a look at. Um, again, it's UFP, U as in uh, us, U, F as in Frank, P as in Paul, industries, UFPI. And you'd think after doing this job for uh, you know more than a decade now, I would have a clue of most of these kind of older types of Midwest companies. But to be honest, I've not heard of UFP Industries until I did this podcast. So just goes to tell you the power of the screens and what you can find out there if you're digging around using uh, you know either the screens on Zax.com or these kinds of guru screens that are on the research wizard. Uh, That's why I like to run them because it's so kind of fun to get these, you know, unique names that we've never talked about. So let's turn to number five. This is one we have talked about before, but I decided to include it because it's just so hot right now and it's still cheap. So it is Bungie, ticker BG. And remember, on their website, they say they connect farmers to consumers. They're delivering essential food, feed, and fuel to the world. And they're a leader in oilseed processing and a leading producer and supplier of specialty plant-based oils and fats. So this is on the food side. They have 300 facilities in 40 countries. They're headquartered in St. Louis. And food, anything to do with food, is red hot right now. Year to date, these shares are up about 20% and one year up 44%. They're at a five-year high. In early February, they reported their fourth quarter in full year and they had a record on refined and specialty oils and they expected a favorable market conditions to continue throughout 2022. This was in February and now I'm recording this on March 23rd. 2022 in between there we have now have the ukraine war going on and lockdowns in china um with another COVID outbreak so who knows what will happen when they were 
report again, I think in May here coming up. So you might want to tune in to see because this area is very volatile. Anything to do with the commodities and especially on the food side is, um, you know, can vary week to week. But right now, shares are still cheap with the P.E. of just 10.9 price to sales is 0.26. So that's both our value all across the board does pay a dividend yielding 1.9%. I didn't look to see if they'd been increasing that dividend yield, but that's a nice dividend. We have four estimates on Bungie right now, so it's got a few analysts covering it now. Earnings are expected to be down this year, however, 22.2% to $10.06 from $12.93 last year. Um, not surprising given uh that 2021 was a record year for many of these kind of food companies but we'll see if some of those estimates start to be changed i still don't consider these to be value traps even though they look kind of trappy with that earnings decline there but i do think there's a lot of things up in the air right now with these global companies with everything going on in uh, the headlines right now. So I'm keeping an open mind when I'm looking at some of these and when I'm looking at what's gonna happen with earnings estimates for both this year and next year. We're only in March, so a lot could change both up and down. So that's Bungie, ticker BG. Okay, so there's some interesting stocks, right? That the screen gave. There were no energy companies, by the way, and no home builders. So that was interesting, right? What else was in there? There was a few more retailers. Dick's was in there, Dick's Sporting Goods. DKS is a ticker on that one. Um, as I said, there was another auto retailer in there. There was a few kind of like metal guys, but none of like the big miners. Um, there were no fertilizers and there were no other food companies except for Bungie. So it was an interesting mix. And I tried to pick out, you know, a good combination out of what we looked at only five out of the 50 stocks, but it gives you some insights into what this strategy is looking for and um, a little bit different take on value than what we normally look for and definitely different than the Ben Graham screen gave us. So let me recap those stock tickers again. There was Hawkins, that's the specialty chemicals, HWKN. There is AutoNation, AN, Costco, COST, uh, UFP Industries, UF. PI and then Bungie is BG. So as always, I try to bring you interesting value stocks every week and there's plenty of them out there right now. So we're trying to cover all these different angles on everything that's happening with value and Warren Buffett has been making some moves. So we're gonna cover that too in the next couple of weeks. But you want to be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. You can get us everywhere. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music. You can get us with the Zach's Market Edge on SoundCloud. So search for the Zach's Market Edge. But get us somewhere. And I'll see you again next week with some more value stocks. 
This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified and described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.